0: everyone and welcome. Uh, My name is Michael and I'm the pastor here at Chapel Hill. And we're very glad that you can join us for uh, Good Friday. And in the lead up to Easter, we've been studying Jesus' departing words uh, to his disciples on the night that he um, was betrayed, um, which we find in the Gospel of John chapters 14 to 16. And it's in these chapters that we listen in on Jesus' personal and most important conversation with his close disciples in a very dramatic and intimate setting. Jesus tells his disciples that he will die the very next day where he'll be crucified on the cross. Jesus is teaching and preparing his disciples for that reality. The big question that the disciples and we the reader have when faced with Jesus' imminent death is how good is Christianity without Jesus? You can really feel for the disciples, they've given everything up to follow and obey Jesus. Not only have they sacrificed everything to live for Jesus, they've also have grown to love Jesus and to be loved by Jesus. Jesus also calls his disciples friends. So you can understand why the disciples would be grieved and upset uh, when Jesus tells them he's going to have to leave them to die. They feel abandoned. They feel lost to move forward without their great and beloved leader. We may not feel the same sense of loss that the disciples had, but we might have some doubts about how well Christianity will progress without its founder. There was an article in Forbes magazine, uh, one of those business magazines, titled, Many Firms Don't Survive After the Owner Dies. And the article pointed to the research that showed that if the founder dies, the business typically suffers significant setbacks. The research showed that after a business owner dies, sales plummet by 60%. Um, employment goes down by 17% and it increases 17% in terms of the likelihood of uh, being bankrupt. Professor Becker the Department of Economics at the University of Warwick said, it seems founder entrepreneurs are the glue that helps to hold a business together. So without Jesus, who is going to hold the disciples together? Who's going to drive the mission of Jesus? For some of you who are perhaps business or corporate savvy, you're probably thinking, well, ah, the solution is succession planning. Jesus and his disciples need to raise up and groom up a better successor for Jesus. But how can you find a better successor than Jesus? How can you find a better leader than Jesus? Jesus goes away and he's pretty much left me here to be your pastor and the leader of the church. If we did a quick vote of whether you want Jesus or me to be your leader or pastor, I know who will win the votes. I mean, even I would vote for Jesus. So, how good can Christianity be without its founder, its great leader? Well, Jesus actually tells his disciples in verse 7 it is for your good that I am going away. Jesus saying it will be better for the disciples when he goes away. The cause of Christianity will be better when Jesus goes away because Jesus continues to say in verse 7, unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. The advocate is referred to the Holy Spirit. And Jesus continues to be with his disciples after his death through the Holy Spirit dwelling in the disciples. Jesus continues to be the glue, so to speak, for his disciples, but now through the Holy Spirit. And in this passage, we learn that Jesus' mission continues by the Holy Spirit, and Jesus' teaching continues by the Holy Spirit. In this way, by the Holy Spirit, Jesus tells us that his mission on earth will advance in a far greater way than if he had stayed with his disciples. So firstly, Jesus' mission continues by the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus leaves his disciples, he will then send the Holy Spirit to dwell in the disciples. Verse 26 of chapter 15, we read, When the Advocate comes, when I will send to you from the Father the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, you have been with me from the beginning." Jesus came to earth with the mission to tell and show people that he was the truth, the true way to God. And when Jesus leaves the earth, Jesus' mission of telling and showing people the truth about Jesus on earth continues through the Holy Spirit, who John describes as the advocate. The advocate is a a very legal term, so kind of like a legal defendant that witnesses and testifies to the truth about Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit is a credible witness and testifier because he is sent by Jesus from the Father. The Holy Spirit intimately knows Jesus in the unity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit of the triune God. And the Holy Spirit is described as the Spirit of truth. So, like Jesus, the Holy Spirit speaks the truth and embodies the truth. But the advocate's testimony about Jesus is to also be given alongside the testimony of the disciples. Because John says, uh, Jesus says, verse 27, And you must also testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. So together the disciples with the Holy Spirit dwelling in them will testify to the truth about Jesus as an eyewitness to Jesus' life, testifying to all that they have seen about Jesus and all that they have learned from Jesus from the beginning when the disciples first met Jesus. And so Jesus' mission about showing and telling people about the truth about himself continues through the disciples uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit. But being a witness of Jesus will mean you will face opposition. And that should come as no surprise because all witnesses testify in the face of opposition. That's a fact. All witnesses testify in the face of opposition. See, when a witness testifies in a trial in court, the witness tells the truth in the face of a persecutor who will oppose the witness's testimony. And Jesus warns his disciples of this reality to prepare them so that they'd be ready to accept persecution. And just like Jesus himself who accepted persecution and not to shrink back and abandon their faith in Jesus, he warns them in verse 2 of chapter 16, that religious leaders may persecute them by kicking them out of a synagogue, which not only means excommunication from the synagogue, it also means excommunication from the whole Jewish community. Jesus also says that the religious leaders might even kill the disciples, thinking that they're doing a good thing, a service to God. The irony of the religious leaders when they persecuted Jesus thinking that that was an act of worship to God, they actually persecuted and killed the true living God rather than to serve and worship him. And this continues to be a reality for many Christians across the world who have come to faith in Jesus and are witnessing to Jesus who come from devout religious families and communities. This kind of persecution is very much real today. To a lesser extent, all Christians are to expect opposition and persecution of various kinds because many opposed the very notion of truth that can come from above this world the truth from above that judges my belief the truth from above that judges my experience that judges my world many people will oppose that and so when we witness to Jesus we find ourselves in a position of being persecuted but Jesus says that in our defence for Jesus, as we face persecution, we might win some over. We might prove to some people how they perhaps have got things the wrong way. Because the Holy Spirit not only helps with defending the truth about Jesus, the Holy Spirit also convicts those who are guilty of having false beliefs. So we read it in verse 7, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment. Sin, righteousness, and judgment are the three important things that the Holy Spirit goes after for conviction. Jesus says, sin because people don't believe in me. And this means that sin is not just about doing the wrong thing, Sin is not just about breaking God's moral rules. Sin is not acknowledging Jesus as the creator, as the ruler of all creation. And so when the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sin, you begin to acknowledge that you have been building your whole life apart from Jesus. Sin is fundamentally building your life apart from Jesus. So you feel convicted by the Holy Spirit even though you are a fairly good spouse, you're a fairly good co-worker, and you're a fairly good citizen and neighbour, but you feel the conviction of sin when you acknowledge that sin is ignoring and rejecting Jesus. The Holy Spirit also convicts our sense of righteousness. Jesus was the only person who was completely righteous. He was the only one that met God's standards of right living. And when Jesus leaves his disciples, the Holy Spirit will continue to show and convict people that their level of righteousness is Fall short of Jesus' complete righteousness. When the Holy Spirit convicts you of your righteousness, you begin to acknowledge that you can't earn a relationship with God with the good things that you do because it won't be good enough. When you're convicted of your righteousness, you begin to see that your need for Jesus' righteousness instead of your own self-righteousness to bring you into a relationship with God. And so this is the big difference between Christianity and other religions. Other religions say follow the rules and commands to earn salvation, to earn your relationship with God. But Christianity says you can never earn salvation by doing all the good that you can do. You need not to depend on yourself, but need to depend on the good that Jesus has done for you. See, the difference between a Christian and a religious person is that both the Christian and religious person repents of sin but a Christian also repents of their righteousness. Do you get that? A religious person and a Christian will repent of sin, of ignoring, rejecting God, but a Christian will also repent of their righteousness, thinking that all that they can do on their own merit can earn their salvation with God. A Christian would say, no, that's something that I need to forego and know that that's not enough. I need to depend on Jesus' righteousness. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit convicts people of their judgment because the prince of this world, Satan, the father of all lies, will stand condemned in Jesus' impending victory over Satan. The Holy Spirit will help people to see that they have been the ones that call themselves the judge and ruler over their lives rather than Jesus. Determining themselves what is right and wrong for themselves And when the Holy Spirit convicts you of your own judgment, you begin to acknowledge that Jesus is the only rightful ruler and judge over us. And at this point, you might be thinking, look, see, this is exactly why I don't like Christians and Christianity. Christians are just so judgmental. The world doesn't need more judgmental people. The world needs more loving people. But you have to understand that being judgmental can actually be loving. The convicting work of the Holy Spirit is actually God's gracious and loving act towards us. So for example, if you try to get someone to a doctor who doesn't think they need to go to the doctor, what do you do then? Well, you have to argue with them, don't you? You have to persecute them. You have to convict them of your loved one, of their need to see a doctor, to convict them of their sickness. And God treats us in the same way. In his love, he convicts us of how we've got things wrong, and to realize our need to go to God for help. In, law, in love, God convicts us of our sin, righteousness, and judgment so that we would turn to Jesus for help. So, how can we turn to Jesus for our help from our sin, righteousness, and judgment when He's going away? How can Jesus help us when He's not around? Jesus tells His disciples that He continues to teach the disciples for the sake of His mission by the Holy Spirit. So reading from verse 12 of chapter 16, I have much more to say to you, more than you can uh, now bear, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Jesus has much more to say about his death on the cross. But he withholds the details at the moment because he knows that the disciples who are anxious, concerned, they won't be able to handle all those gory details. But he promises that the Holy Spirit will continue to come to the disciples to fill in the blanks of what yet is to come for Jesus. And what is yet to come the very next day is that Jesus will get arrested. He will get persecuted on the cross and he will die a criminal's death. But three days later, Jesus will be raised to life. And then he meets his disciples, assuring that he's risen to life. He then ascends into heaven to be with his Father. And then he sends the Holy Spirit to dwell with his disciples. And the Holy Spirit will guide the disciples to understand the truth about Jesus' death and resurrection. Because it would seem like at the cross of Jesus, that Jesus was declared as a guilty man. But the truth is, is that at the cross, Jesus made a way for guilty people to be pardoned, to be free. The truth of why Jesus came into the world is not just to convict us of our sin, righteousness and judgment and leave us with this problem for ourselves to solve. Jesus also came to forgive us by taking the penalty of our sin, the penalty of our self-righteousness and the penalty of God's judgment On our behalf, Jesus came to be the free solution to our problem to those who turn to faith in Jesus. Jesus' mission is to save us from our sin, self righteousness, and God's judgment by helping us to repent and put our faith in Jesus' death and resurrection for us. His mission continues after Jesus ascended into heaven through the disciples by the power of the Holy Spirit and this is better for the disciples and for God's mission because now that every one of Jesus' disciples now can go out into the world and testify about Jesus to help other people to repent of sin and put their faith in Jesus by testifying to who Jesus is and what he has done for us through his death so how good is christianity without Jesus on earth yes you have me instead of Jesus Yes, you've come into a church with people who are not perfect, unlike Jesus. But if you're here and you feel convicted of building your life apart from Jesus, if you feel convicted of depending on your own righteousness to feel right with God, if you're convicted that you've wrongfully been the ruler and judge of your own life instead of God, then know that that is the work of the Holy Spirit, That is Jesus convicting you of the truth. That is the loving persecutor, advocate, graciously, lovingly calling you to turn to Jesus, to repent and put your faith in Jesus. Forgiveness and salvation is yours by the power of the Holy Spirit. Please join me in prayer. Our Father in heaven, We ask that we might let the Holy Spirit deal with us to turn away from our sin, self-righteousness, and our lack of judgment, and turn to Jesus to consider the amazing love and forgiveness offered to us by his death. May the reality of Jesus' sacrifice be real to us and close to us by the power of the Holy Spirit.